besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life. The Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEN. We're going to be joined by a bronze medal boomer this evening, and I cannot wait for that. And, of course, Monday night is Heroes and Villains. Get your calls in, one 736 736 Ah, uh, yes, indeed. Welcome back. Great to have your company, Sporting Capital. Uh, however you're finding us, wherever you're finding us, that number is one 736 736 Got three hours to spend with you and looking forward to every single one of those. one 736 736 433 of course, is the Temper text line. Temper is a mattress like no other. Let me just set the table for you this evening. Next hour... Uh, this whole show is all yours. I've said this many times. It's just me. Oh, I know I've got sometimes one of those voices where you just can't sustain that for three hours. You just want to hear something a little different. This is where you come in. You give me a call. You co-host the show with me. Uh, you obviously don't get paid, but you are vital to the overall product. Uh, so give me a call. Your heroes and villains, one three hundred seven three six seven three six nine 736 9 o'clock, uh, pencil it in, whatever you're doing, drop it. Uh, I'm going to spend about half an hour with Matthew Delavadova. Uh, one, I think one of the greatest stories that probably doesn't go, it probably goes under the, the, the radar just a little bit in terms of what uh, a young guy from Meribara, uh, in central Victoria, has been able to do and the places he's been able to go from where he started to where he is now. He is a ripping story and an even greater bloke. Uh, and Matthew Delavadova, NBA champion, now Olympic bronze medalist, is going to join me from 9 o'clock to talk about that whole Olympic experience, what he's looking forward to now that he's joined Melbourne United in the NBL, uh, what he wants for the rest of his career. Uh, it should be a great chat, and you can get involved in it. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen off the temper text. Uh, Melbourne Storm Premiership player Brett Kamali is going to join me after that. Uh, we'll just have a look back at the penultimate round of the NRL this week, and then look ahead to the final round because there's some big games that are going to set the top eight for what should be a great final series. Uh, to come for the NRL as well. So looking forward to catching up with Brett Kamali. And we might even talk uh, some world game as well. So Milan-based Aussie football presenter Adriano Del Monte, he joined us when Lionel Messi went from Barcelona or Barcelona to uh, 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 PSG. So Cristiano Ronaldo... Equal biggest name in world football has rejoined Manchester United. So that's a massive story. We'll talk about uh, Celtic going down to the Rangers uh, or to Rangers um, in the Scottish Premier League. 
of course, Ange Postacoglu in charge over there. So heaps to talk to him about as well. Ben Waterworth from Fox Footy is going to join us. There's a lot of other things making news at the moment other than Toby Green. He will take us through all that. And Fox do something quite interesting every Monday. They give a report card on all teams. And because it's finals, we thought we'd have a look at what report cards the team at Fox have given uh, each of the teams that competed over the weekend. You can throw yours up uh, as well. Don't forget... 0433981116 or 1300736736. In the Paralympics tonight, table tennis gold for Ni, uh, Lina Lee, or Lina Lay. The Aussie won the, nine, the class nine gold, three to win over uh, Guian Zhong from China. Uh, dropped the first set, won the next four, including the decider. Her sixth Paralympic gold medal, if you don't mind, and ninth medal overall since starting her Paralympic career way back in Athens. So Tim Hodge uh, got bronze in the men's 100 metre backstroke in the S9. Uh, he turned for home in second position with four other swimmers all on the line going stroke for stroke. It was an incredible finish and he was able to hang on to claim bronze. Um, and we've got um, the uh, Aussie men's wheelchair basketball team going on at the moment. They're taking on Great Britain. That game just about finished. I'll get you a score from that uh, in just a moment. And Ellie Cole tonight was going for her 17th Paralympic medal in the pool um, and wasn't able to claim one. Uh, she finished fourth overall uh, in her event. So, But congratulations on what's been an extraordinary uh, career. And I don't know if it's done and dusted yet, but 17 medals is... Uh, she was going for her 17th medal, uh, so 16 medals. That is extraordinary. Um, so congratulations to Ellie and to all our Paralympians as well. We'll keep updating you throughout the course of the night. But let's jump in to this, what we do every Monday night. Heroes and villains on a Monday night, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. I always prefer you to open the bowling, so that's what Damien in Frankston North will do for us. Hello, Damien. Hey, Sam. How are you? I'm good, thanks, mate. What have you got for me? Hero, villain, both? I've got both, Sammy. That's all right. Go for it. Uh, hero is Port Adelaide. Um, their pressure on Friday, mm. that was just amazing to watch. And the young players like Rosie and Butters and... Um, did Dersma play? I don't think he played. Yeah, he played. Yeah. And there was another one on the back line as well. I think he is. Um, yeah, Alir Alir was phenomenal. Had five intercepts yeah. in the first quarter alone, and he equaled Justin Lepich's record uh, in the game overall for intercepts in a final. So, yeah, he was phenomenal and justifying his All-Australian spot. I reckon, yep, I reckon they'll win the flag as well, just quietly. They're my uh, chance to win the flag all the way. If they play like that, Damien, I... I I absolutely think that you could be on the money there. I'm, I reckon they'll beat Melbourne if they play Melbourne. Yeah, I could, and, and do you know why, Damien? And I think you make a great point. And, and look, Melbourne will be aware of this themselves, and I think they'll have uh, a, a game plan. But the only time that the Lions were able to be dangerous uh, against Melbourne, and especially after Dan McStay went down, but where Melbourne looked a little vulnerable was when the ball hit the deck. 
inside their defensive 50. Mm. So if you've got elite small forwards, which Port Adelaide do, and you know and you've got a plan, it's almost like teams are going to start playing Melbourne like they've ended up playing West Coast over the last few years. You've got to take away that strength, and that's the aerial dominance of May and Lever uh, and Petty as well. But if, if, if teams come in with a plan to, to put chaos ball inside forward 50 and if they've got the small forwards that can actually capitalise and kick goals like Port Adelaide's do, then you could be right, Damien. Yep, I'm my villain now. Uh, it's unfortunately Toby Green. I don't think he'll get as long as people are saying. I'm only thinking two weeks I think he'll get. That's all I think he'll get. Um, I think the fact um, that these sort of umpires sort of turned away, is that correct? I did see a little bit. There was another angle, was there? Yeah, but then there was a third angle that came. So a lot of opinion was sort of getting staggered across the day, Damien from a lot of people, um, some who said, oh, look at that, that seems to show there's no contact, so therefore play on, uh, maybe you're fine, that's it. But then um, the 45-degree angle. So we had the front-on angle, and then there was the behind-the-goals angle, and then there was the 45-degree angle, which showed shoulder-to-shoulder contact. So that's there was absolutely contact, mate. That's uh, undisputable. How long do you reckon? I'm comfortable with anything that sees him miss the rest of the year to six weeks. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully, for his sake, he'll learn his lesson now, you know. Absolutely, Damien. And, and other than finals, that's a problem. It, it breaks my heart because I love him. He's one of my favourite players. He's a turnstile ticker. He's a, I'll turn on the TV just to watch that guy, and I don't barrack for either of those two teams. He plays the game in a different vein. I love watching Toby Green play and I was finding myself trying to come up with excuses for it yesterday until I had to remove all that, what I want, about what I want to see and about what I hope to have uh, and the players I hope are out there in finals and I just had to accept this for what it is. It's got nothing to do with it being Toby Green. It's got nothing to do with the time of year it is. It has everything to do with the action uh, and everything to do with the message that that sends and the message that the AFL now needs to send after that And, and that and I'm ang- I'm upset with Toby Green because I want him to be playing. I'm like, damn you, damn you. You've broken my heart. It's sort of like that scene where Michael kisses Fredo. <laughs> and I know that we all know it was you, Toby, but it does break my heart. It does break my heart. Um, but there's a bigger picture to all of this and, and, and it isn't a place for sentiment. Um, it's a place to protect uh, the game from actions like that. So, Damien, uh, thank you very much. Justin's in Kilmore. Uh, hero or villain for me, Justin? Mate, I've got a villain. Yes. And I'll, ju- I'll just start with, um, I wish you were on the AFL uh, uh, tribunal because you're the only one that I've heard in the media that actually actually believes what he's done and should get his right whack. But I'll leave that. I've got another villain in the NRL, and that is Latrell Mitchell. His hit on Joey Manu on the weekend was one of the filthiest dog acts I've ever seen in rugby league. Now, Joey Manu's got three plates and screws in the side of his cheekbone, and God knows how long he'd be able to play again. And now, also reading into it, there's now an internal investigation into comments that Jarrett Warrior Hargraves has made as he's been from the field. So... It's turned into an almighty disaster, this. Yeah, it's, um, what do they call it? The, I'll speak to Brett Kamali about this a little later, Justin. Uh, the, the book, uh, what is it, the book of rivalries between South Sydney and, and, the, and um, South Sydney 
uh, and the Sydney Roosters. Um, it's as big a rivalry as there is in Aussie sport. There's a genuine dislike between those two teams, and this was another one that will go in the book. Um, but for you know, it, but it was horrible, and I, um, I hate the term dog act. Uh, I, I just it just I just doesn't sit comfortably with me the term, but um, and not and I'm not a shrinking violet or anything like that. But I think what distressed me, uh, Justin, more than anything, book of feuds. That's it, the book of feuds. Um, what distressed me about it, Justin, more than anything, is the yes, the act itself. It was as crude, um, and awful a hit as we've seen in recent times. But to see Joey Marnock, normally when rugby league players hit each other, there might be a remonstration, there might be a payback, there might be a lot of things. But he was visibly distressed with what had happened from a guy that he considers a mate. And that's the part that got me. He was beside... He was, like... He was so upset, Joey Manu, with what a supposed mate and a guy that he's played with did to him, which clearly shows that in his mind that was well outside what's acceptable on the field uh, from rugby league. So I I agree with you. It's a good villain nomination, um, and he misses the rest of the year. Um, It's as simple as that. He's gone, and so are the Rabbitohs' finals chances. Uh, Thanks very much, Justin. We'll talk more about that with Brett Kamali later on in the show. Um, Michael's in Reservoir. G'day, Mick. G'day. uh, Just before I quickly get my villain, I'm concerned now that Damien said we're good things for the Premiership. (laughs) 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 No, good, Damien. I love um, love it. Yeah. Yeah, you, you're uh, hoping that no one. Up, you're yeah. hoping no one puts the moz on. Is that what you're saying, Michael? Yeah, yeah. Um, pretty much. Now, my villain is um, Sammy, and um, I, I don't know if I ever told you, but I was a journalist from a community radio station yeah, that right. was in that press conference with Mick Moldow. So I was sitting next to her, Mark Allen. Is what about right? a journal on a week? And he goes, oh, yeah. what do you think, um, John, of the um, Tassie experience? Mate, we lost by a point. And then <laughs> he goes and asks him the same question oh, no. again. I oh, know. Oh, goodness me. <laughs> Michael, uh, this is the incident you're referring to. So just to set the context of this. So, and, and Michael will be able to attest to this. He's been in the room. To ask the first question in any press conference, there's a bit of jostling that goes on for that, and often there's a deference to the more senior journos. So there's a bit, there's a bit of hierarchy stuff that goes on between the journos in the press conference room. So to get the first question's a big deal. After a one-point loss in which they had 18-7 to seven inside 50s in the last quarter, the last six shots on goal that were all behinds and a rushed as well, um, this is the question that John Longmire had to face first up after falling agonisingly short uh, of an elimination final win. Um, so what were the thoughts about the ta- whole Tasmanian experience? What did you think of the stadium? Uh, we just lost the final by a point. Uh, yeah, what did you think of the, the Tasmanian experience? What did you think of the stadium and the whole trip? Hey, you there? Can we talk about the footy for a second? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, Michael, and we don't want to pile on that journal and, and don't want anyone to, you know, he doesn't deserve any abuse or anything like that. But... Yeah, and you know what, Sammy? Before I went in a press conference with Mick, you can ask Mark Allen. I knew what I was going to ask him because they played Hawthorne and they just lost that game. And um, so I went in there and said to Mick, what do you think of that umpiring decision? 
and he thought I was baiting him. But I knew I couldn't ask that question, but I asked her, and that's what that journo and Tassie would have done. He thought, I'm going to get my limelight. Am I right or wrong? No, no, no. I don't think he thought that. I, I don't know. And this, again, I don't want to pile on the journo because I don't know who it is and I don't, it doesn't matter. And then we can have a bit of fun with it. I just got the impression that it might, you know, the, the lifestyle lift out? in the paper, which is a great lift-out, the travel and lifestyle. I don't know whether they were short-staffed at the paper that day and they said to this guy, who's probably a wonderful journo who writes brilliant travel pieces or whatnot, I'm not 100% sure if they're a sports journo, but maybe when the first question came up, he thought, well, Tasmania, beautiful part of the world, we're getting people down here, um, I might just ask about that because that's what I know and I just it just my mind went to the thinking that he's had to fill in for someone and he normally writes the most beautiful pieces about um the scenery you know about everything that Tasmania has to offer and that's the van that's the frame that he brought into it uh so I got I think we all got a little bit of a laugh out of that uh thanks for the nomination though Michael I, I greatly appreciate it one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We are off and running. Tom in Eildon, John in Kensington, Mark in Bacchus Marsh. Stay with me. Michael, Sam, I've got the Godfather reference. Well done. I appreciate that, mate. I've got a couple of other movie references coming. Uh, Green stuffed up big time. You can't touch an ump. AFL needs to make a stand. Green is an immature little boy. Six weeks. That's from Joseph in Essendon. Um, regardless of what everyone thinks, either way, for the good of the game at all levels and the current shortage of umpires across all competitions, the AFL have to come down hard on Toby, had ample opportunity to avoid contact, regardless of how minimal it was, a lack of respect and sends the wrong message out. Four to six weeks is an appropriate sentence. That's from Ronnie. Great points well made, Ronnie. Thank you. I'll keep working through your texts uh, and back to your calls straight after this. Stay with us. Matthew Delavadova at nine o'clock tonight. Uh, unfortunately, our Aussie wheelchair basketballers went down by a point to Great Britain. Uh, disappointing for them this evening. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Heroes and villains on a Monday night. Um, Kappa, who's just texting, I'm going to need a bit more information here, and excuse my ignorance. I'm just a bit confused by this one. So, brain dead media and commentators think that parenting gets better by punishing one player. World will never get better with woke media and commentators running it. Just a couple of questions. Are woke media and commentators in the same group as brain-dead media and commentators? Because if it is, I hope that we can all meet at once because there's two meetings right now and I'm, I'm in both of them, brain-dead and woke. And, geez, we it is hard to get to both meetings, uh, especially when I'm out there, you know, saving the planet, uh, looking after sick children. Uh, yeah, so it would be better if we could have all those meetings together because we are just one, the media. Uh, but it's, I'm glad that you actually divide us up slightly. Sometimes people just say, you media, and that's oh, we all take offence at that because we're not all the same person. We all have a different view. But at least, Kappa, you're breaking us up into some groups. Um, but I hope that we can just schedule the meetings a little bit better for brain-dead media and woke media. Um, and are all of us in the two? You, you explain it because it's your thing. You just let me know, 0433981116. But thank you for the text. Uh, I do appreciate it. Uh, Tom's in here. G'day, Tom. Yeah, g'day, Sam. I really appreciate you taking my call. No, you, you um, hey, mate, don't, don't thank me. I thank you for ringing. Um, I'm going to start off with a positive yes. tonight. Um, so I come from the same junior club as this bloke and I thought he was, um, all the, all the, um, talk around Geelong today has been quite negative and probably, um, rightly so. They didn't play their best game, but I thought Brad Close in his first final, 
um, was excellent. I thought he does. It, uh, it just reminds me of why I enjoyed watching him play as a junior and getting into senior football as a kid. He does the same thing regardless of whether it's a final or a uh, regular season game. So I thought his game was, was really good. Um, my villain, no surprises, um, is Toby Green. And the reason being... Me as an umpire, so I can't play footy anymore because of my silly old knee. But my, uh, but as an umpire, it's been really frustrating, uh, difficult, and um, distressing to listen to some of the commentary from past, present players, some people in the media, and that who have, and and the public as well, who have decided that we just don't need to rub this bloke out. Any any other uh, sport in the world, you play him in the NBA. You play him in the NFL, the major league, he gets ejected straight away for mm. something like that, and his suspension is probably at least 10 or 15 games. Now, I know in the NBA you play four or five games a week, and that's different, but it needs to set a precedence because, like, I umpire up here uh, during the regular season. It's happened to me this year. It'll continue to happen until uh, something gets done, and I'm glad that the competition committee are talking about it now because... It needs to be set a precedent that we need to get with the times and look at other codes uh, and um, move forward with something like this. Tom, uh, I really appreciate the call. I'm going to get Julia to get your number. I want to get you on another time to have a chat and go a bit deeper into what's it like week to week out in suburban footy, just for, for, for blokes that, and for people that do the job that you do, all the guys and girls at umpire. Uh, I think that's a chat that we can have in a bit greater length and it'll be a fascinating insight for, I think, a lot of people. So, mate, thanks for ringing. I'm going to get Julia to get your number, so stay with us uh, and we'll chat another time, I reckon. Uh, Adrian's in Roeville. G'day, mate. Hey, Sammy, how are you, mate? I'm really well, thank you. Thank you very much for calling me back. Um, yeah, appreciate getting the opportunity. Um, and, look, it's pretty simple. Um, we'll do the heroes first because it's a nice quick chat, and then the villains, I'll just continue to be another one talking about Toby. Um, <laughs> but the heroes, anyone who's had the chance to watch the Paralympics, um, if you can't be inspired by a Paralympian, yeah. particularly Riley Batt from the uh, wheelchair rugby, oh. that bloke carries a nation on his shoulders. Oh. He's an absolute freak. Unbelievable. He might be the toughest bloke that I've seen in sport. Mate, he's hard as a cat's head. You wouldn't want to hit him on the footy field if he had his leg going, mate. Paul nah. Butter, he's just an absolute giant of his game. You wouldn't want to hit him anywhere, and he's he's a titan of wheelchair rugby, isn't he? Oh, mate, absolute monster. Um, OK, and on to the villains, Toby. Um, we've all had a crack, and I won't miss either, mate. I've played footy since I... Well, I'll tell you what. I played Vic Kick before Oz Kick even um, became a thing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Vic Kick. Mid, yeah, it sort of dates me around the mid-30s, as you'd imagine. Um, played from the time I was seven. Uh, retired from first 18 footy two years ago when COVID started. I uh, was playing country footy up at Broadford. The captain sides have played in good sides, have played in bad sides. Toby Green's been leading his side most of the year. If a bloke who's been a captain in an AFL club doesn't know that you don't lay hands on an umpire, mm. um, that just shows the absolute arrogance and stupidity of the kid. Um, as far as what he did, he made a beeline for that umpire, giving him a mouthful the whole time, plenty of room to walk around him. And we need to think about this, not just as a Toby Green, Matt Stevick AFL insert. What if that was Laney Gottes? What would be the conversation we'd be having about mm. Toby Green right now? Now, I know we can't gender specify umpires. Umpires are just umpires in this game of football. But as a bloke who's played for, you know, nearly 20 years, um, I can pretty happily say that I make a ton of mistakes every time I take the footy field. 
And I'm one of, you know, 22 blokes. My mistakes aren't scrutinised the way one of three are. Now, admittedly, a mistake of an umpire has a lot bigger impact on a game. But we also don't have a game without them. Yep. We don't have the ability to play football without umpires, and that includes community umpires. I've also coached on the kick um, up until about three years ago. And the kids that were coming through three years ago were hero worshipping Toby, uh, Toby Green then. All right? We need to send a very clear message to football at every level. Country level, metropolitan level, junior level, AFL level. We don't have a game without umpires. Love them, hate them, whatever. We need to respect them better than what we do, and we treat them like absolute garbage. And it's a very simple rule that the players are directed with. You treat their decisions with respect, and the last thing on earth you do is act in a demonstrative, degrading manner, and you do not intimidate them. He was demonstrative in his approach to Stevic, and for a physical AFL player, like, umpires are made to run. They've got to run 20 k's a game, yeah? Toby's a small forward. He's an explosive athlete. He's fit. He's strong. He's muscular. Matt Stevic, right, fair enough. He's probably one of the more physically well-rounded umpires as far as being young and strong. But at the end of the day, he's just lucky it was Matt Stevic. If it was Lionel Gloptus, he did that too, or Razor Ray or anyone else. Um, genuine intimidation could have been a part of what happened. And it may have been for Stevic. We don't have a report yet. Yeah, but at the end of the day, what Toby's done, I've known it since I was five years yep. old. You do not do it. Yep. And he's playing. He's a professional footballer. Yeah? He's not just a bloke kicking a footy around in the suburbs. He's a professional footballer. He doesn't have to know much about the game. Knowing how you treat umpires is one thing. Yeah, he'd be. I said five straight away when I looked at it. I thought there was no possible way he's walking away with less than a month. Um, these were what, nine. He pushed out an umpire at a time when footy was still almost semi-professional. Hey, uh, um, Toby realistically would be lucky to get away with yep. less than five. Adrian, thank you so much, mate. You put a lot of thought into that and a lot of time, and I really do appreciate it. You make uh, some some great points. Um, the uh, There was a point you made that I just wanted to... To, to go through uh, as well with you, but I've, my mind has just let me down. Uh, but you made some great ones, mate, and I really do appreciate it. Uh, and thanks uh, for for staying with us and, and staying on the line to be able to make those. Uh, Mark's in Bacchus Marsh. G'day, Mark. Sammy, my man. How you going, <laughs> Good, buddy. How are you? Mate, this is a Toby-free zone from my perspective. I'm Toby over and out. Sure. So we're going to move on now. I've got a hero and a villain. First, I'm going to start with the villain. You need to work with me here, Sammy, but you're pretty sharp, so you'll see the funny side of it. But the footy gods, they're dead set, taking the PIWS. They really are when you think about it. They, they give Brisbane an extra 24 seconds in the last round of the season, which effectively steals fourth position from us on percentage, the being the Western Bulldogs being us. They well, they rob us a force, the footy gods, with that 24 seconds extra gifted to Brisbane. An extra 24 seconds no other club in the AFL got for the season, but Brisbane got gifted an extra 24 seasons longer, seconds longer than anyone else, which gave them fourth. Now, right. the footy gods want us to go to Brisbane to play them on their deck. It's like, are you serious? Another part of the story, isn't it? And we love stories in sport, Mark, and you, you've touched on a great one there, mate. That'll absolutely be brought up during, brought up during the week uh, in the lead-in. So who's How your hero? Ironic. Who's your hero for me? Mate, all year been saying it, the best set shot in the game. Shaku! <laughs> he's mate, great, he? Only he? Got the cup. 
He only had a few touches down forward. That's all he needs because he's a dead eye. Gets him and he slots him. Bang, bang. Set up another one. That's all we need him to do. Compete. Thank you, Mr. Bevo. Now, please, if he drops in this week, I will dead set spew up. Yeah, I don't I think you can, Mark. I think if you kick two goals uh, and set another one up on a wet day like that, I think you earn your spot in the side. And they took a gamble. They put him in ahead of Jason Johannesson. Uh, and it was an eyebrow raiser for a lot of people going into the game. But it paid dividends. It was a really shrewd... Um, it was a gamble, but it paid off. It was a smart move from Luke Beveridge. Um and I remember when he first got to Brisbane, he lived with Dan Merritt at the time. And I used to do a little bit of work with Dan. And he used to say at the time that Josh Shackey has the best leading patterns of anyone he's seen at that age. And that includes guys like Jonathan Brown and, and all those young forwards that he played with over his career. And he is a lovely young man, Josh Shackey. He's a lovely fella. And it's just taken him a little while to find his feet and find his place in the game. But maybe, just maybe, he has through the Josh Bruce's injury, which... You know, we, our hearts all go out to Josh Bruce. But this might be the opportunity that Josh Shackey's been waiting for. And to be able to do it in a final, I think that's fantastic. Um, that's that's uh, that's a career-defining moment for him, Mark. And I think it's a great nomination for a hero and a villain. Hey, Kane's in St Kilda. Kane, stay right there. Um, uh, Kappa has just texted through. Now, Kappa, if we've said something there that we've got incorrect uh, about uh, the wheelchair rugby players, um, just uh, shoot us through a message and let me know because we certainly, while we were celebrating um, our, our wheelchair athletes uh, and our Paralympians, um, we, we certainly didn't mean any disrespect. I'll just see you've texted through there. So just let us know what we've got wrong there and I'm happy to hear that and to learn a bit more if, uh, if, we've, done, if we've said anything there that wasn't right. one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number. This is the Sporting Capital. Uh, loving this start. I haven't had to give one of mine yet, but I've got a few up my sleeve. And don't forget Matthew Delavadova joining me uh, after 9 o'clock. one uh, three hundred seven three six seven three six. A lot of texts coming through. In response to Mark's call uh, about the timekeeper up in Brisbane, who he believes cost the Bulldogs a spot at top four, and people making the point that it was a point that I actually made as well last week, and many people did, uh, when they said maybe you shouldn't have left it up to a timekeeper to seal your fate. And some of the texts, and Mark, please know that I'm just reading the text. This is not me calling you a flog, but a couple of people have. But it's all in good fun, uh, it's all in good jest. Uh, your Bulldogs lost three in a row. Uh, by the way, it starts off your last caller, Mark, you flog. Uh, but that, I'm sure that's meant in fun. Uh, mate, your Bulldogs lost three in a row. Your team lost fourth place. Should not have left it up to 25 seconds to stay fourth. Not up to Brisbane what time the game is. It's up to AFL and the TV stations. Yeah, that game looking set to be in the afternoon, not the evening, so that uh, the dogs don't have to sit in a hotel room all day, which I think is fair enough. Um, Hey, Sam, I would have thought the armchair ride the Bulldogs get from the umpires makes up for the last 24 seconds. Uh, lol, that's from Big Fella. Um, I wonder if Mark is going to whinge about the umpires giving Bulldogs free kicks in front of goal. Uh, and they go on, Mark, but uh, I appreciate your call nonetheless. Uh, let's go through a couple of mine. Um, so heroes for me, Melbourne, absolutely. One thing to be the team of the regular season, but finals is where it counts. And didn't they make it count? Number one offence versus the number one defence, which Melbourne have been all year, and they kept the number one offence to 60 points, five goals below their game average. That first quarter was everything you want finals footy to be, wasn't it? Ruthless attack on the footy uh, and ruthless all-out attack from both sides. Relentless pressure, fast, fierce, and, geez, it was fun to watch. So in the end... 
McStay was a big turning point. The injury to McStay, because it changed the whole way that uh, Brisbane's forward line operates. But that's not what lost Brisbane the game. Melbourne just overwhelmed Brisbane. Denied them the footy with just sheer pressure. They denied them footy and fluidity when they got the ball. So they didn't get in the ball. And when they got it, they couldn't get anything going with it. It was, a, it was as comprehensive a performance as I can remember seeing from a side that hasn't played finals for the last couple of years. They looked so assured, Melbourne. They looked so... They, they, it was just all belief. Like they are so in lockstep with their game plan. They are so in sync with each other and what they're trying to do. Gets brought up. So 1965, of course, they shaft him. They didn't get back into, a, uh, they didn't get back into finals till 87. And then we know what happened with Jimmy Steins going over the mark. 88, the record loss to the Hawks. 2000, a record loss to the Bombers. Then 66 points in 2018. I just get the feeling this is a year to break curses um, and end droughts. And it looks like Melbourne are well on the way to doing that. Port Adelaide are a hero nomination. Oh, and by the way, Nathan Jones is a hero. Watching the way he gets around that group, he's got every right to feel a, a bit PO'd. He's got every right to be disappointed that he's not in that side. He's given everything to that footy club. You don't, you're never given games. We don't like to see that. Um, but he could very easily just say, okay, well, I'll just stay into the background. Um, but him getting around the players like he did after to be such a positive presence amongst that group, but that is all character. Teams, they weren't able to do it all year. Uh, they've got shades of the 08 Hawks about them. And this was a chaos v control win, I reckon. So chaos wins in the end the way that this game played out. They didn't allow Geelong to control anything. So they've given themselves over to the game and, and they've thrown caution to the wind. Defen- their defence is so much better too. So it's got the back of the chaos ball ball movement. It's got They can do it now trusting that their defence is rock solid with Alira Lear down there who five intercepts in the first quarter. The defence has got your back and sometimes even gives you a piggyback. Trav Boak is a big game player. I loved how all the players that were snubbed for All-Australian, some of the main ones, how they responded. Fritch kicks four. Charlie Cameron kicked five. Travis Boak was probably the best player on the ground. Stringer kicked half of Essendon's goals. Now, Port Adelaide might have got smacked in clearance and centre clearance, but they won possession and contested possession. They pressured the Cats into mistake after mistake after mistake. 15 to 10 contested marks, they win. 12 to 8 marks inside 50. They took 31 more marks and had five more tackles, even though they had 64 more disposals. And the Butters tackle on Cameron, that's a scene setter. They totally unhinged the game plan of the Cats. And it was so much fun to watch. You can get joy out of that if you don't even like Port Adelaide, just watching how they went about it. Uh, Giants, a hero nomination from me. Have to be after winning the seventh final under Leon Cameron. They had an 0-3 start this year. Leon Cameron is so much more than what we saw in that documentary. He was that, and that didn't, that wasn't, you know, misedited or, or wrongfully put together. But he is so much more. And Shane Mumford's talked about the love and care that he has for all the players and what he does above and beyond for all those players. The young defence, Iden, Taylor, Steen, coming, along with Reed and Haynes. Harry Perryman, that dive to stop the McInerney dribble. That's a hero. Kelly, Taranto, and Jesse Hogan. 
Third chance, career almost done and dusted. One team takes a chance on him, and in a final, he takes six contested marks in tough conditions and kicks two goals. They were plus eight clearances and plus 15 contested possessions, and it was all set up in that second quarter, 41 to 24 contested, and they kicked six goals in it. Yeah, they got lucky at the end, and they've admitted that, but they put themselves in a position where the luck could go their way. Um, the Swifts beating the Giants in the Super Netball, Patrick Cantlay winning the BMW Champ. Six-hole playoff this was. And this is the great phrase, drive for show, putt for dough. And he was all money on the green. 17 footers to win it, 21 footers to keep it open. Bryson DeChambeau telling him to stop walking on the 14th. He was hitting 65% of fairways, averaging just under 350 metres off the tee, but could not finish. And this was a win for the purists, I reckon. It was clinical golf. The end of season two of championships up next. He's in first spot going into that couple of shots ahead of DeChambeau in third, Ram in second, and our very own Cam Smith is five shots back in currently fourth for that, and that's going to be incredible. Uh, the Dogs back on the heroes list. Two-point loss to Port last week, and we sort of feared the worst, but once we saw the form that Port franked and what they did to the Cats, who the Dogs beat just recently, maybe we should have relaxed a little bit with the Dogs. Yes, they put themselves in the worst possible spot. The worst possible finish to their season is what they went through. But if anyone can win it from fifth, it's them. And they've shown that they aren't a spent four. So they were even in disposals, but the dogs were a lot like ducks in the wet. 56 to 52, the inside 50. So it wasn't that much difference. But they reclaimed their clearance title from the team that was threatening to steal it. 45 to 37 and then 14 to 7 in the centre. Plus 22 contested possessions. Plus 12 marks inside. Plus two marks inside 50. Plus eight tackles inside 50. They kept the number eight attacking side goalless after half time. And they kicked well in the wet, 13-7. Don't worry about the free kicks. You've got to put yourself in a position to get them and you've got to finish them when you get them. And that's what Cody Waitman did. Norton responded. He had three goals. Shaki, we've talked about. Libera and McRae were huge. I want to say to Essendon, you're a hero for calling out the trolls of Cody Waitman, of your own fans, and your own fans who racially abused Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody. And read Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody's response on his social media. That's class. That's rising above. That's being better when we all need to be. Madison Rosario, three-time silver medalist at the Paralympics, now has her first goal. Congratulations to her. It's a lot like the Jess Fox story. She's gone so long without getting the ultimate, and she finally got it. Congratulations to her. Storm, yes, they lost, but 19 in a row in this era, and they're top of the table with a game to go. Paddy Mills and the guys who got the old boomers together in Brizzy today to present them with their Akubras will talk to Matty Delavadova about that. Collingwood can get a hero nomination. 90 names on a list since Buckley was let go in June. I thought they'd already got their coach. I thought that there was a fait accompli that was going to be Ross Lyon. But I was 100% wrong. I didn't think they were going to go through a proper process, and they absolutely did. And it's, and it's a credit to them with everything that's going on around that club. It looks like they're going to settle on Craig McRae. That's what all the reports are. So I just think well done to Collingwood. Hey, I'm going to give my villains on the other side of this. I'll get to your calls as well. Um, on the other side as well, we've got Matty Delavadova coming up very shortly. Uh, so still plenty more to come with us on the Sporting Capital. Uh, off the text, 0433981116. Daniel in Elwood says, Toby Green has to go. The way the media, i.e. pretty much all 
of Fox. He's putting pressure on the umpire to say contact was minimal. He's disgusting. Green shows his line and walk through him. Disrespect is measured through intent, not impact. On a happier note, Khan the D's. And he goes on to tell me that he once kicked six on Aaron Hamill in a school game. Um, thanks for all of that, Daniel, in Elwood. Um, hey, Kappa, thank you for sending through the first text that you did about uh, the way uh, of that the teams for wheelchair rugby and wheelchair basketball are structured. I, I thank you for that. It's educational. The second text about stats making people spew, that's your opinion and you're entitled to it. Uh, it was help- I was using stats to help emphasise a point. Uh, it's something we, we, we sometimes do. Um, I agree that overuse of stats can be a bit monotonous and dull, but I just was using it to make a couple of points. But thank you for your feedback nonetheless. Uh, Muzz in Geelong, a great friend of the show. Muzz, how are you, mate? Good, thank you. With um, sadness tonight, I learnt that our great, Number four at Carlton, Peter Bazasto has um, got cancer. And um, my hero for the weekend is the Bulldogs plus Ryan Gardner. It was awesome to mm. see him win. Hey, that's devastating about Peter Bazasto. I see that there's a, a My Cause page where they're raising some money for him. I think it might have been Jez's daughter that uh, has, yeah. has put that up. And um, I think that's... So it's mycause.com.au. Uh, Peter Bazasto, of course, that... 1981, mark of the year and goal of the year. Uh, not in the same game, but, but um, yeah, a phenomenal, phenomenal yeah, player, so wasn't I, he? I, I, he was, and he brought so much pleasure to... Uh, I could still see football in those days, and, and I actually um, witnessed it, and, you know, he just brought so much pleasure to us Carlton supporters, and I know that everyone um, in COVID, you're in lockdown, and you might have a lot of pennies, but if you can give even a couple of dollars, it'd be good because he gave us so much um, happiness and entertainment and he enjoyed doing it for the Navy Blue. He did. So, a couple of premierships um, for them and also for, for Perth too. So the people in WA yeah. uh, would be um, would be saddened to hear that, Mars. Thanks for letting us know. That is genuinely sad. Uh, and and thank, thank you for letting us know. And I've just found that, uh, and Julia, producers, just pointed out that there is a mycause.com dot au page that is up uh, at the moment um, to help out Peter Bazusto and, and his family. So jump on there if if you are so inclined. Um, but we send our thoughts to to him and the family, and we wish him all the best. And um, we hope that he can get. This is a fight that he can get through and and win. Um, thanks for letting us know, Muzza. I, I really do appreciate it. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Matthew Delvedover going to join me after nine o'clock. But just a couple of villains uh, for tonight. So. Bad kicking is the first one. Cats, swans, dons, all guilty of bad kicking that may or may not have cost them the game, but certainly didn't help. The swans it did, 18-7 to inside 50s uh, in that last quarter. They kicked the last six behind. Now I've loved the season of the swans. And I don't necessarily blame them for this, but what I really hope happens, and Nick Dalsano brought this up uh, on the weekend, and we spoke about it on Sunday Crunch Time, that surely there's got to be an attitudinal change now with clubs and sports scientists when it comes to goal kicking. Not wrapping up players in cotton wool. You know, I remember, you know, when Gary Ablett Jr. and, um, and Stevie Jay would have these trick shot contests that they used to film for the socials. Now, players might not even be allowed to do that anymore because it's too much kicking or it's too much of something. West Coast don't restrict their players. And there's a couple of clubs that don't. But there's a lot of clubs that do, and, and even former players now are saying it's to the detriment of the game. It's certainly to the detriment of the fans. I mean, goal kicking's at an all-time low in terms of the percentage of goal kicking. Goal kicking accuracy is at an all-time low. 
and it and it cost it's costing teams games. You look at golfers, basketballers, tennis players; they spend so much time working on their mechanics. Golfers, just that swing has to be second nature. Basketballers, the free throw has to just be, you know, like getting out of bed. It, it has to be just instinctive. And same with tennis players, over and over again until it's just like a metronome, back, forth, back, forth, that it's just a part of who you are. And it's, it's, it's a dying art, and we've got to do something about it. It's costing teams games, and it's costing fans goals, and, yeah, it's got to, it's, we've got to do something. So the Cats are a villain this week. And I, it, it's eight weeks. It's the eighth week one finals lost now since the 2011 flag. So it's a problem. Now, Chris Scott talked about it being a different list and it's been a big list turnover and then that's not the issue. And I absolutely accept that. So what is the constant? Well, the constant is probably the game plan, isn't it? If you're a Cats fan, let me know if I'm right here. Now, this isn't a bagging of Chris Scott, by the way. This is, he's a premiership coach he, he, and wouldn't care one iota what I have to say anyway, and nor should he. His resume speaks for itself as, as a player and as a coach, um, one of the best match day coaches we've ever seen, um, one of the, probably the best regular season coach that we've seen in terms of his winning percentage, which I think is still over 60%. Um, but he plays a control game of footy, defend with the ball, set your own tempo. It's strict and it's rigid. And Port completely dismantled it. David King spoke about that today, that when you defend with the ball, you better not misuse the ball because you're going to give it straight back. So they play a very slow build game, and it's not that fun to watch. It's not incredibly exciting by any measure. It's been very effective during the regular season for them. But, I mean, paint dry is effective as well, and that's not fun to watch either. And I started to think about strict and what that is. And, and for some reason, I sort of went to strict parents. And then for some reason, I started thinking, who were strict parents that I could remember in movies? And I don't know why, but I started to think about the Von Trapp family dad in The Sound of Music. And then I started to think about the family in Mary Poppins and their dad. He was very strict. I don't know why I was thinking about Julie Andrews, but I certainly was. And that's what I thought of. My mind went to the dad in The Sound of Music and then the dad in Mary Poppins, strict, regimented, but they meant really well, didn't they? They weren't bad people. They wanted the best for their kids. They set really strict guidelines. Uh, they were disciplined. They wanted, they, they wanted for nothing, all those kids. They were well off. They had everything they needed, but they weren't happy, were they? It was solid parenting on so many levels, and that holds them in good stead later in life, but those kids were miserable. They weren't having any fun at all until Julie Andrews comes in singing a song and ro roaming through the hills and then Mary Poppins comes along and says a spoonful of sugar. It all lightens them up. They have a bit of fun. Look at life being so much better. They're still good kids. They're still disciplined kids. They still do as they're told, but they're allowed to have a bit of fun. They're allowed to enjoy themselves, just, uh, just a smidge. You know, I had someone say to me yesterday, Chris Scott's a bit like Dan Andrews. He's doing what he thinks is right uh, and look, trying to look after everybody, but you can't stay in lockdown forever. And that's a political joke, and it's not meant to raise anyone's ire. It was just what someone said to me today. And then they said, so, Chris Scott, you can't be in slowdown mode in footy forever. Now, Tom Stewart's gone, and since he's gone, the last two weeks, they've been outscored by 91 points in five and a half quarters. So what do you do? So I started to think today as well, I moved on to another show. I started to think about that scene in Game of Thrones where they're about to be attacked. I think the, the Dothraki are coming over the sea and they're sitting around having the council in King's Landing and they're saying, how are we going to defend King's Landing? And they say, well, we don't have to do anything. It's, this city's never been taken. We fortify the walls. We hole up here. Uh, they'll never get in and we'll be, we'll be, we'll be golden. They, they can't penetrate these walls. 
And then someone pointed out, I think it was Tyrion Lannister, that said, well, what they'll do in the meantime is they'll scout around every single farmland within Cooey, they'll, they'll tear up all the crops, they'll take all our food and we'll starve to death in here. And I, that's how I feel about the cats at the moment. They're going to starve to death in this current mode of football. If it's a castle that you see, they're hiding behind the battlements. They're lobbing out the boulders. They're raining down arrows on the on the horde that's attacking. They're throwing the pitch over the side, the boiling oil, and they believe that's what's going to hold them in good stead. Just play it safe. Sit behind the wall. We'll get home and we'll get this done. This might be the final roll of the dice for this team with the list that they've got. So what do you want to do? How do you want to go down? If this is the last year with th- which this list could win, they've got so many over 30s, and I don't begrudge them with that. The Lakers are going to try and do that this year with a team all over 30. But how do you want to go down? The alternative is ride out, meet them head-to-head, open the gates, get on your horses, storm out there, get face-to-face and just slog it out, fight them out. Just This might be the last roll of the dice. So how do you want to die? Do you want to die on the hill behind the walls? Or do you want to ride out and fight the last three fights, which might be the last three games that this group might have to be able to win a premiership? Three last glorious sort of battles. We've all seen these movies. There's a ton of them, whether it be Braveheart or whether it be the Lord of the Rings in the Two Towers where they open it up and they all come down and they take on. They were outnumbered, but they go in and then they got some support and they ride out there to their destiny. What Come what may, they're going to go down swinging. So how would you rather win or lose? They might win doing it their way and they'll be made to look the fool, but will it be any fun to watch? Will it be any fun to play in? I can't imagine it's that much fun to play in that structure. And again, this is not a criticism. It's just from a commentator and a fan point of view. So you might win doing it like that, but you might lose as well. And what a dull way to lose. But if you go out swinging, if you ride out there and face them and go head to head, then you might just win. But even if you lose, at least you know that you went down swinging. So I, I want you to give me 0433981116. I want you to give me a famous battle scene in any movie that you think Chris Scott should watch. Any movie. You name the scene and tell me what Chris Scott should watch in order to inspire him to just do a little bit like what Mary Poppins did. Just put a spoonful of sugar in there. A spoonful of sugar. Just sweeten things up a little bit. Take the leash off ever so just ease it up ever so slightly and maybe just try throw a bit of risk out there take a risk take a chance take them on that's how port beat them so what scene would you like chris scott to have a look at that might inspire him to just go out there and maybe just head out there swinging Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen on the temper text temper a mattress like no other and then for some reason I know there's too many analogies rolled into one in this, and I know it's a bit uh, dicey to maybe think about Michael Jackson, but don't think about Michael Jackson. I know it's a bit controversial to even play his music at the moment, but I just thought of this lyric at the start of Man in the Mirror. I'm gonna make a change for once in my life. It's gonna feel real good. Gonna make a difference. Gonna make it right. There we go. Eight week one finals losses in a row. So make a change for once in your life. It'll feel real good. It's going to make a difference and it might just make it right. Cats fans, are you with me? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Matty Televadova is going to join me on the other side of this. The Sporting Capital with Sam.
This evening is not too far away, and you can nominate your heroes and villains. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. I greatly appreciate you sticking with me or joining me, depending on which category you fall into. one 736 736 to give me a call at any point. Uh, I was just doing our heroes and villains in the previous hour, and I was talking about the cats and that maybe uh, instead of just sitting behind the walls and defending, 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 and hoping that uh, you're able to just throw boulders from a distance and rain down arrows, that was my analogy for the sort of the way that the cats play with that, uh, you know, defending when you've got the ball, slow, methodical, uh, controlled type of game that serves them so well in the regular season. They're one of the best regular season teams we've seen for a long, long time, but it's their eighth week one finals loss since 2011. So I made the point and the suggestion that maybe go and have a look at some of those great war movies where they open the gates and say, we might be outnumbered, this might be the last stand, but we're going to ride out there and meet our destiny and we're going to throw, we're going to fight fire with fire, we're going to take them on head on. We're going to take the game on. Yes, we've got some old and weary warriors. Yes, we've got uh, a lot of ageing knights. But we're going to ride out there and for the next three games, we're going to leave it all out on the battlefield. And we'll, we'd rather die going down swinging than die on a hill defending. So that was my suggestion. So I asked you, tell me what films Chris Scott should watch to inspire him to make that call. And a few of you have been great in uh, your suggestions that are coming through. Uh, one, you lost me at Game of Thrones. Uh, Kappa, great analogy. I agree. Thank you, Kappa. Gallipoli, you've got to attack despite the odds. Put your name and suburb uh, on these or where you're texting from. Michael said The Last Samurai surely should be one that Chris Scott should watch. Uh, AG, off the text, what you said was one of the most insanely idiotic things ever. Uh, I take exception to that, AG. I think I've said far more idiotic things than that. Um, the last stance fight looks great in movies, but no battles are fought without strategy these days. That's 100% right, AG. But your strategy can be attack. And sometimes you can get hurt by paralysis, by analysis. And I just feel, with all due respect to one of the great modern era coaches, that that might be what happens to Geelong come finals. Some t- you've got to go out and win finals. You can't go out and save them. That's what everybody I've spoken to has said that have tasted the ultimate success. Final battle scene from We Were Soldiers. That's from Paul on the Road. Not sure if any Gladiator movies will help the Bulldogs. From my memories, it was always the Lions that beat the Christians. Uh, that's come through as well. Uh, Stanley Baker and Michael Caine's debut film, Last 15 Minutes of Zulu, 176 did, what, 1,200 at Um Did not at Rourke's Ridge. Most VCs given for one action. Uh, thank you for that uh, that's come through. Uh, OMG, give it up, champ. You're starting to get boring. Thank you very much for that. Uh, feel free to send in a demo to Hutchie and uh, you can maybe take my spot. Uh, thank you to Paul and St Kilda for your text uh, as well. Greatly appreciated. So one three hundred seven three six seven three six. If you've got a nomination for a movie that Chris Scott should watch, a battle scene, a final scene in a movie that might inspire him to just open up those castle doors and let him ride out and just take the game on, take on those final battles and what might be the last roll of the dice for this list. So a couple more villains to finish off and then Matty Delavadova is going to join us. So the Swans, I don't think, are a major villain, but you kick the last six behinds and you do get a nomination. But they've had a great year and we've loved watching that rebuild from 16th into finals is phenomenal. But that loss will keep them up at night. 
I reckon, and that'll be the spur that puts them on to bigger and better things next year. I don't think the Lions are a villain either. They were just beaten by a better team. The injury to McStay is a villainous one. Um, and what I would hope that gets said to Joe Danaher is, mate, we need now you to be a out-and-out key forward. We don't need you trying to kick solos to the left-hand side off the outside of your boot to people running past like it's Gaelic footy. We don't need you doing U-turns and burning handballs of people running directly to 50. Um, those things are all fascinating and fun in the regular season, but they might just cost us. He's been brilliant this year. He's kicked a goal in uh, every game of the regular season. He's been a star, but now they need him to actually do what the team requires, and that's for him to play that out-and-out key forward. And it's not a villain nomination to him either. It's not a villain nomination to Marcus Adams. But I look at Marcus Adams as someone who's got a woeful physique. And I look at him and go, you've got the greatest muscular definition. Uh, You've got more muscles in a seafood store. I'd love to see you physically dominate games. I'm not saying being dirty and hurting people, but I'm talking physically dominate. That would be. Uh, what I would hope for Marcus Adams next week. Bombers aren't villains either. I know they were goalless in the second half, but what they've achieved this year is phenomenal. From where they were and no one giving them a chance uh, to what they've been able to do, they they just got caught playing dry with a footy in the wet and they weren't able to execute it and they couldn't score from turnover, as David King pointed out to Jared Waitley today. By the way, the umpires aren't villains either in that game. There were two that, yep, yeah, shouldn't have been paid. One was 50-50 and you get those. And, yeah, one wasn't there, the bump to Waitman when he went over the line. But that's not what lost you the game. And for the trolls that have gone after him, you bring shame upon yourself, your family and the club that you profess to support. That's why Essendon have condemned you. And a big see you, mate, because you don't obviously have the mental uh, intelligence or the emotional maturity to be able to handle a loss uh, supporting footy. So you might just have to step away for a little while. Um, We've talked about the, the Pope that asked John Longmire the question. Jake Lever getting booed at a game that wasn't even an Adelaide game. That's a villain nomination. <laughs> the Adelaide Crows fans were still, still booing him and he wasn't even playing against Adelaide. Uh, I thought that was extraordinary. Uh, and my last villain is whoever made the decision to not pay the Paralympians for winning gold medals and silver and bronze like we pay uh, our Olympians. That is a villain nomination of the highest order. I was stunned when I saw that. We give 20,000, 15 and 10 for medalists in the Olympics and we give nothing to our Paralympians when they win medals. By the way, uh, Kian Yang has just won gold in the Class 10 table tennis to go with uh, Lee Nalei's Class 9 win. So congratulations to her. Um, Matty Delavidova, been hanging out for this interview. He's going to join me next uh, on the Sporting Capital. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal or... Get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.